0: Hey everybody, this is James Lindsay, and you are listening to New Discourses Bullets, wherein I give a short kind of bullet point summary of one single topic from woke Marxism that you need to understand so we can defeat it. Today is what Marx meant by capitalism. Capitalism doesn't mean what you think it is. We have a gigantic file box basically out there now, where the the theme is communists share your vocabulary, but they don't share your dictionary. In other words, they mean something different by the words they use, So that when you hear them, you think they mean what you think those words mean, but they mean something that they think those words mean. This is a typical tactic. You can list the words off every word that you can think of that they use, diversity, equity, inclusion, and so on and so forth. They do this to everything, right? So democracy is a big one, our democracy. Well, over here, we've got capitalism You think that capitalism is an economic theory. They think that capitalism is a totalizing ideology, a fundamental organizing principle of all of society. Marx laid out this straw man not only when he wrote Capital in the 1860s and then to the end of his life, but also when he wrote his earlier writings even back into the 1840s, including the Communist Manifesto. They don't think of capitalism the way that you think of capitalism. To make a quick summary, they think of capitalism as there's this special kind of private property, bourgeois private property called capital, that certain people give themselves access to and exclude everyone else from so that they can exploit them and oppress them. And there is an ideology that capital is good. Capital, in fact, is the organizing principle of society. The acquisition and accumulation of capital is the organizing principle of society. And therefore, the kind of civic religion of society, and that's the way that they, that they view this, that all of these things that happen, that exploitation, alienation, and all this that Marx describes, are actually justified by a broad civic religion that worships capital like a golden calf. The easiest way for me to explain what Marxists mean by capitalism is to read to you from some Marxists, like usual. So I'm reading this book right now, and I think there's going to be a lot of content coming in new discourses on this book, that is titled Marx in the Anthropocene. The Anthropocene means the era of world history, geologic history, where human beings have geological global impact. The subtitle of this book is Towards the Idea of Degrowth Communism. So this concept of degrowth is being pushed very hard all of a sudden. It's the new big thing. We've done some podcasts on this here already. And it's written by a Japanese Marxist named Kohei Saito. And so this Marx in the Anthropocene has a couple of passages early on laying out what capitalism means to Marxists. And it's very clear. See if you recognize this description of capitalism because you probably think it means something to do with market economies. Maybe free market, maybe laissez-faire, maybe, you know, somewhat regulated market or reasonably regulated market, but somehow you probably think it has to do with market economies. Here's what Kohei Saito says in Marx in the Anthropocene. The primary goal of capitalist production is the valorization of capital above anything else. Capitalism is driven by the insatiable desire for profit making and constantly increases the productive capacity. In contrast, in pre capitalist societies, production was conducted for the sake of satisfying concrete needs, and correspondingly, the aim of production was use values tied to the fulfillment of finite wants. With the domination of this logic of capital for the sake of maximal valorization and the limitless expansion of capital, historically specific second-order mediation emerges by developing the world market, technologies, transportation, and credit system, and artificial appetites. Capital wholly transforms and reorganizes the entire world. So the problem is capital because capital wants to beget more capital. And this becomes an ideology where the entire goal is to accumulate infinitely more capital, endless production, the maximum valorization and limitless expansion of capital. Do you recognize that? Does anyone recognize this straw man? No, only Marxists do. It marries a truth to a lie. One of these, communism always marries a truth to a lie. So here's one. It marries the profit motive within corporations to profit as a sole ideological priority for society's organization. That's a big lie. In other words, there's a lie, there's a truth that within the context of the corporate environment, pursuit of capital should be a singular goal, whereas... They, that's the truth. They mix it with the lie that society is organized around this and that the acquisition and accumulation of capital should be limitless and in fact should require and valorize exploitation to get it. It's just good business to exploit your employees, to exploit your community, or exploit the environment for your own benefit. So there are no other actual priorities. The idea is that capitalism is a totalizing religion, civic religion, that all we exist to do is gather more and more resources and concentrate them in the hands of fewer and fewer people. That's capitalism, according to Marxism. Few, if any, in industry or business actually operate or think this way. Turns out they're actually people. There are some sociopaths or people who get addicted to wealth that act this way. But this isn't really how almost any businessman thinks, because business is not his entire life. The corporation is a soulless entity, But the individuals within it are not. They're human beings. We could even look at, you know, what you might hear as a a rebuttal is that Friedman pointed, Milton Friedman pointed out, maybe it's a little neoliberal, I don't know, that a corporation's sole fiduciary duty is to generate profit for shareholders. That was one of Friedman's big ideas. Okay, fine. And maybe there's even a valorization of that. But what's happening, the communist communist theory, Marxist theory always blends contexts. It blurs the distinctions between different domains of existence on purpose because it thinks that those distinctions are, in fact, illusions. So you can valorize and say the sole fiduciary duty of a corporation and its actors is to maximize profit for shareholders without saying that's an organizational principle for society, because it's already limited to a specific circle of life and legal context, which is business and the corporation. It's not the entirety of society. The purpose of the corporation is not graft and corruption limiting this The purpose of the corporation to profit generation for shareholders is to prevent graft and corruption, but the communists flipped this on its head. So the principle that we're dealing with here applies universally, but not in the broader context of real social political life. In other words, they've blurred context together. The context of the fiduciary responsibility to the corporation and its shareholders is being blurred out with the entire civic religion of the society. This is what they do. This is how it works. Okay, so that's what they mean by capitalism. So let's kind of expand upon this a little bit. So some more from Saito. Immediately after the quote from above, he says, Since there is no absolute limit in this process, capital is totalizing. That's, it's a religion. It's, it's a totalizing, a totalitarian, therefore civic religion. It means it touches every aspect of life and therefore acts as a totalitarian power. So he says, since there is no absolute limit in this process, which is of limitless capital accumulation, capital is totalizing, continuously expanding and subordinating all aspects of the productive functions of both humans and nature to the imperative of capital accumulation. So again, what do Marxists mean by capitalism? That's what they mean, that there is a religious Imperative to accumulate capital. That's the meaning of life, the organizing principle of society. That's a straw man. Capitalism is the name given by Marx and Marxists to an ideology that is a straw man about how people operate in corporate business. Of course, Marxists tend to project by, uh, c- confess by projection. We call this the iron law of woke projection. So, in some sense, Marxists are telling us how they think leadership in business works. Which means if they become leaders in business by seizing the means of production, that's how they will mismanage things when they colonize an industry or whatever. In the name of the people, they will exploit and hoard because they think that that's actually the nature of business and that they have a unique entitled position to do so as somebody who understands the bigger picture, the Gnostic position, the secret salvific knowledge from the system. So they're going to seize a hold of the, the system and use the system to direct us out of the system and only they can do it. That's the, that's the religion that they have, but they tell you how they think. Earlier in the book, Saito, uh, this is all just in the, the, the introduction, if I'm not mistaken. It might be in the first chapter. It's early in the book. Earlier in the book, Saito gives a justification for why this uh, religion of capitalism, which is a straw man of market economies and property rights, needs to be destroyed. He says, since the earth is finite, it is obvious that there are absolute biophysical limits to capital accumulation. So here we're marrying a truth to a lie, right? Finite, when they use it, gives you this impression that we're almost out, that we hit peak oil that we've hit peak whatever, that we're almost exhausted of our resources. We're almost out of copper. Limits to growth, which is actually recommended by this book, which was a publication of the Club of Rome in 1972, said that by the year 2000, we would run out of copper. Obviously, that didn't happen. The idea when they say that things are finite is that we're almost out of them. Now, that might be true for certain material resources, or at least easily extractable material resources. Um, harder to extract ones, whether that's through asteroid mining, whether that's through digging deeper into even maybe the mantle or something. I don't know. I'm just riffing. The Earth is awfully big. There's a lot there. That requires energy. And the fact of the matter is that whatever the state of, the, of affairs with oil is, which doesn't appear that we're at peak oil yet for real... We don't use a tiny, tiny fraction of the amount of energy available to us. There is so much energy we have not figured out how to harness, whether that's through sunlight, whether that's through geothermal, whether that's through nuclear energy, whether that's through, um, in fact, petroleum reserves or, or fossil fuel reserves that we aren't taking advantage of. We have not even scratched the surface of, we are at a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percent of the total energy available to us that we have yet to figure out how to harness. Haven't even talked about fusion energy down the line, potentially. So when they say that there are finite limits, they want you to think we're close to the finite limit, because it's true, there is a finite limit to a finite set or a finite system. It's not necessarily true that we're anywhere near that, and they want us to believe that so they can justify stepping in, in this case, to do degrowth communism, which is going to be that they're going to shrink all of our economies, killing millions or billions, and then they're going to manage a smaller sustainable economy where they get to decide what is sustainable and what isn't sustainable at every turn, justifying complete totalitarianism but let's just read a little bit more. He says, since the earth is finite, it's obvious that there are absolute biophysical limits to capital accumulation. Despite knowing this, capital is incapable of limiting itself. Well, here's another fallacy. Capital isn't an agent. The people that run corporations are agents. Capital doesn't have agentic power. It is not a demiurge. It is not a mystical spiritual force that constrains and confines and directs humanity. So, this doesn't even make sense. We're already dealing with a category error. On the contrary, he says, talking about capital still as an agent, capital constantly attempts to overcome these limits only to increase its own destructiveness against society and nature. So, we have to ask the Marxists who is capital? Is capital a demon? what do you mean by this? Because you're talking about it like it's an agent that is a completely avaricious uh, entity that can't understand that it's operating in a finite environment and consumes and consumes and consumes until it destroys all of human society and nature. He goes on to say, hence arises the, quote, necessity of social control. There you go there's the communism, to put an end to the wasteful and destructive tendency of capitalist development for the sake of human survival and the preservation of the natural environment. Such social planning of production is, however, incompatible with the basic logic of capitalist production. So you can kind of see how this straw man works. The most important thing to understand though, so far, is that capitalism to Marxists means a totalizing civic religion of limitless capital Uh, accumulation that has no capacity to control itself and will destroy everything including humans society and nature itself they this mentality through this straw man is what is being hijacked by the esg movement and the degrowth movement and the sustainable development movement all of which are really the same movement in three pieces environmental social governance scoring standards to limit the use of capital so that we can have sustainable growth and sustainable development. In fact, this book criticizes the idea of sustainable growth at all. That sustainable growth is still just trying to dodge the fact that there is no such thing as limitless growth. So this is what's being hijacked by ESG. In the name of producing a systematic regulatory environment, which he just named in the book, social planning of production with the necessity of social control to put an end to the wasteful and destructive tendency of capitalist development and the stakes are survival of humanity that's what they're doing that's what this is that's why his subtitle is towards a degrowth communism how is it exactly worded it is uh, toward the idea of degrowth communism so they're doing this esg sustainable development stuff and in talking about degrowth towards an idea, it will become degrowth communism. Their goal is to produce a systematic regulatory environment that they control under arbitrary power within which, um, they can make sure that our system doesn't collapse, right? And what they're producing, therefore, is a huge system of robbery of one's use capacity of capital you have your property, your private property, you can use it how you will, so long as it doesn't infringe upon the inalienable rights of others. We set up just just governments are instituted amongst men in order to figure out those questions about where those rights are being alienated. And otherwise, you're free to do with your property as you will, right? You can't use your knife to take somebody else's life. You can't alienate them from their right to life with your property. But that's what the law is meant in free societies to figure out. They are telling you that you have your property and you have to use it for environmental, social, governance goals, and sustainable development, and in fact, degrowth, which is suicide. Or else. Or else they're going to make your life, your business, impossible to do and miserable. In other words, they are already alienating you from your inalienable right to private property. That's what they're doing. And the purpose is to redirect it to goals that have nothing to do with profit generation or the maintenance of corporations or productivity or growth. In fact, it's degrowth. They're against growth. They are anti-growth. Well, that means diminishment, and that eventually means collapse and death. So they have no intention to move toward profit generation, productivity, growth, uh, or even really a truly sustainable population, which or, or society, which is what those what, what that would require is, is constant uh, capacity for productivity and growth. They are in fact openly hostile to this, and this is why degrowth communism is a death cult. It is going to be used to put people in such a position, uh, business society in such a position of weakness. And collapse so that when it finally can't sustain itself any longer and collapses, the communists can step in and claim power and of course say that it was done wrong. Saito, we'll get to this at some point in the podcasting, actually talks about that in the book In the introduction he points out, which I haven't got that far in the book yet. That Chapter 5 is dedicated to the idea that something that looks very much like the World Economic Forum and the United Nations are doing with the ESG and the, the Sustainable Development Goals looks extremely a lot like what he says a Promethean project of the, the, basically the Soviet Union and that it's doomed to fail and we're going to have to have purer degrowth communism further down the line. So that's why his thing is toward an idea of degrowth communism. So to sum up real quick, The point was that when Marxists talk about capitalism, they don't mean the economic system of the West, which is market economies. Whether those are free, laissez-faire, somewhat regulated, whatever. They don't mean that. They mean a totalizing civic religion of capital accumulation until everything is gobbled up, which is a straw man of market economies. That is not how any of this works. And they are using that straw man very effectively to push initiatives like the sustainable development goals, ESG and degrowth, which is intended to go straight to communism, all of which in the process will lead to death.